For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Robert Rose, and we're going to explore how to create experiences and why they're essential to stand out in this noisy world. Also want to remind you that you can always reach me by emailing podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And with that, I've got a brand new discovery that I'd like to share with you. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. Now, there's nothing more frustrating than um, using the Facebook app on your mobile phone and you see that you got a private message and you cannot get to it because it says you have to install this app called Messenger or whatever the heck they call it. And, you know, maybe you don't want to install Messenger. Maybe you don't want Facebook to have the ability to essentially become like a text messaging system on your phone, like I didn't want to. Maybe you're concerned about giving Facebook a little bit too much intimacy into your life, like I am. Well, I've got a couple solutions for you. Believe it or not, there are two other ways from your mobile phone that you can check your Facebook messages without having to use Facebook Messenger and without using the Facebook app. One of them is called Facebook Paper. And you may recall, gosh, I think it was at least a year ago, if not longer, that Facebook Paper came out. Facebook Paper was meant to be like the newspaper for your your phone. And in addition to the basic Facebook functions, like the ability to, you know, post updates and look at your newsfeed in a really cool way, they also have a lot of content in there. The cool thing about Facebook Paper is messages, you can send and receive from your mobile phone with Facebook paper. So I literally log into Facebook paper and I send and respond to private Facebook messages through Facebook paper. Now, if you don't want to install Facebook paper, there's one more thing you can do. Pull up your web browser on your phone and go to facebook.com. Log in and guess what? You can actually check and send messages with facebook.com directly within your web browser. So for those of you that are frustrated because maybe you have the Messenger app and you wish you didn't have to have it, now you have an option. Try it out, thank me later. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash updates. With that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview with Robert Rose. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. 
I'm very excited to be joined today by Robert Rose. If you don't know who Robert is, he's the Chief Strategy Officer at the Content Marketing Institute. He's also co-author of Managing Content Marketing and co-host of the awesome podcast, This Old Marketing, which I listen to all the time. And his latest book is called Experiences, The Seventh Era of Content Marketing. Robert, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. It's awesome to be here as always. Now, one thing you do on your show is you create these crazy introductions. I don't even know how you do that, but um, do you have a background in like um, in, 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 in writing or in film or something like that? Because whenever you do your show, you pick like the, the, the most popular news items and you create these amazing little introductions. I mean, like you could be like the price is right guy, you know, the announcer or whatever, but much better. (laughs) Where do you come up with this stuff? I should, I should be the new Don Pardo. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you come up with this stuff? Is it just kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah, it's 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 I'm trying to make it a little bit fun and interesting and sort of bring some pop culture into the into the proceedings. Um I mean, I'm a pop culture fan um and so I try and keep up with it. So just bringing it, you know, a little bit, you know, really just to up the energy and get us, you know, get us get us going on the right foot. Um and I do. I uh, thank you for asking. I do have actually a background in in writing. I I originally came out here to Los Angeles to be a screenwriter and television writer, so ah. um and quickly discovered that marketing pays better. <laughs> well, the content marketing world is better as a result of uh, those priorities switching. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. So today we're going to talk about how to create experiences that can help you, your brand, your business stand out in a noisy world. And uh, you've got a brand new book called Experiences. And why don't we just start with uh, what's the premise of the book and what are what do you mean by experiences? Sure. Well, the the premise of the book is that it's we contend Carla, my incom- the incomparable Carla Johnson, um, who's just wonderful, my co-author in the book. Where our contention is is that we're moving into a new era of marketing, and and really, and the eras of marketing are pretty well defined. Um, you know, if for anybody in the audience who went to school, went to university for marketing, um, you'll remember this from the textbooks that they teach the five eras of marketing, um, and that's because you, usually most textbooks stop right around the mid-90s, you know, because university textbooks can't keep up with most anything. And generally, we're considered by most the folks who, you know, scholars and whatnot to be in the sixth era of marketing now, which has for the last 20 years been the relationship era, really, you know, kicked off in the early 90s with the one-to-one future by Dr. Martha Rogers and Don Peppers and um, their book, which really gave birth to the CRM movement, customer relationships, and really developing relationships with consumers as businesses. And our contention is, is that as we move into 2015, we are really evolving into a new era. Each of the previous eras, by the way, are about 20 years in duration. And this new era is not that relationships are dead and not that brands aren't making great strides by developing intimate relationships with their consumers, but we are evolving because the relationship is becoming more complex, becoming more difficult. And the idea is is that the focus, the process, the approach of marketing more broadly – is changing with it and developing delightful, informative, useful experiences from marketing's lens is really the new way to sort of formulate a marketing strategy going forward. And our book is really the contention of why marketing needs to step up to the plate and start to take this on. And then the second half of the book, a methodology or a how um, we would propose getting it done. Okay, let's before we get into the experiences, let's unpack the relationship era a little bit. Sure, um, you bet. You know, I know, you know, you and I have 
you know, worked as marketers in this particular era, kind of uh, talk about talk about a little bit about why the relationship era came about and kind of what what are its what were its tenants or what were what were its strengths. So let's start there, and then maybe we can talk about what you think is the demise of it. Sure, I, and and really, it, and less of a demise than an evolution, I would say, and and the, because we've pulled great of best practices from all of the previous areas, including, you know, the four P's: product, place, price, and promotion are not dead from uh, the marketing department era from the nineteen forties and fifties. And but the you know the point is on the relationship era, starting in the early '90s, really with the idea of using technology or using the relationship with the consumer to really focus on the right message at the right time. I mean, that was what you know Martha Rogers and Don Peppers really talked to in that book, which I think is a seminal work, the One to One Future, where they talked about delivering the right message to the right consumer at the right time and. The evolution of that was, of course, out of the commoditization of products and services that happened with really the globalization of the market, right? So as uh, the late 80s gave way to, you know, whether you like the flat earth of the Thomas Friedman metaphor or whether you like, you know, the global village or whatever, basically the world got a lot smaller. And the early 90s and into the internet era in the late 90s and early 2000s were really marked with this idea of how do we actually develop a database or a relationship with our consumer and deepen it through the use of data? How do we start to assemble richer and richer data sets around our consumer to be able to deliver a better product or a better service to that consumer using that relationship that we have. And this is when you saw, you know, all of the different, you know, this is when Don Siebel left Oracle to go start Siebel Systems. It's when we saw Salesforce.com become, it it really gave birth to the entire CRM movement as we know it today. And as we've seen this progress, and and you can even argue that social media is a really an outgrowth of the idea of becoming more intimate or more, uh, you know, in, in a deeper relationship with those consumers. As we've seen that sort of progress, the idea of the sensitivity to data, the relationship with brands becoming more complex, how social media itself, which you know so well, how it's evolving um, and and transforming even as we speak. All of that is really providing complexity for how a brand now develops a relationship with the consumer. And as digital sort of more broadly even disrupts how we relate to consumers, in other words, now it's, you know, we, we, we have to establish a relationship from the very first time we meet them to creating them as evangelists of our products and sharing our stories, et cetera. So marketing's remit even has, has expanded way beyond what it used to be even 20 years ago. So that expansion of marketing's responsibility for the full life cycle of the consumer and the complexity that is now being wrought by all of the different channels that we have to interact with those consumers on is creating a real evolution of marketing as as an approach and the need to develop more compelling experiences to be able to delight those customers at varying stages of their journey. Okay, so let's get into, let's kind of dissect experiences a little bit. Sure, Um, you bet. You know, um, maybe at a big level and maybe, maybe down at some tactical example level, um, yeah, how would you, you describe what experiences are so people can wrap their mind around that? Because, you know, the word experiences is one of those words that 
I mean, when I think of it, I think of going to Disneyland. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think of that as an experience when you walk through and your senses are all, you know, um, triggered and uh, everything is is designed to have a very specific outcome. And maybe this is a play on that. But, you know, what do you mean when you say experiences? Well, it's all of that, right? I mean, because if you think about it as the digital and physical worlds really merge, what we talk about in content marketing and when we talk about using content to affect a business result, we're creating you know, content and the experience it creates is really just a context, right? So if I give you a website or if I give you a, a physical experience like you know, your own, for example, you know, a, a, a customer conference or a member conference, a physical event, or if I give you a print magazine or, or if I give you some combination of all of the above, I'm creating an experience that I deliver to you and, and hopefully deliver value to you. Really, that's the ultimate thing where I'm creating value for you. And it's separate and discrete from the value created by my product or service. So if I'm craft, for example, I create macaroni and cheese and all manner of types of products um, having to do with that. And I have all kinds of different um, uh, products out in the market to do that. Now, I can create an experience called Food and Family Magazine, or I can create an experience called Craft Online Recipes. And that's value delivered to a consumer that's separate and discrete. Or if I'm, you know, um, if I'm a if I'm a home cookware, right? So uh, a shop where I actually create cooking classes as a means of a physical experience, where I'm ultimately trying to align my brand or my approach to solving your need or want in a greater way. But I'm doing that through creating an experience for you. You think about HubSpot's inbound conference, which is a wonderful experience, right? They're going to get 10,000 people this year to show up and experience all things around the idea of inbound marketing. That's an experience. So it's very tactical level. It's really a combination of the physical, the digital content, and um, everything that creates value for a consumer. Interesting. And um, do you feel like experiences must have a physical component or do you feel like they're simply enhanced by a physical component? They, yeah, they, it's, it is not a prerequisite. No, not at all. I mean, you, there are purely online, purely offline, purely physical, purely, you know, content, purely, you know, you know face-to-face. You know, it is, it is the value that's delivered and provides you with that value sort of in the context of what, you know, of what it's meant by that. So that can be everything from, you know, I think of adobecmo.com as a wonderful experience of delivering knowledge to me uh, on the topic of, of marketing. I think of your own uh, website and your own events as wonderful. Your podcast is a fantastic experience, right, for me to keep up with what's going on in social media. It's, you know, this this is a we're delivering these experiences that may or may not be actually separate from everything we do and that's the real difference in marketing's approach here is is that we were classically trained as marketing people to describe value right so we have a product or service and our job is in ever clever ways to describe the value of that product or service i call that pro- and, the product marketing dilemma right because we were exactly we were raised to talk about features and functions right and That's that, right. That yeah, assumes fe- people care about that, but in reality, they care about themselves, don't they, Robert? 
That's exactly right. So the new muscle for most of these organizations, for these marketing organizations, is to now to create value. Create value that's separate and discrete from the product or service that's being offered. So if you think about American Express Open Form as an example of this, right? It has nothing to do with credit cards, but it has everything to do with giving an experience to small businesses to help them learn how to be better small businesses. Now, let's talk about that American Express example because, you know, why should American Express or anyone listening right now invest in creating something like that? How is that a unique marketing differentiator? It really is because what it does is that it creates – in fact, as Seth Godin has said so many times, it's really – quite frankly, the only differentiator we have left, right? Because as we start moving into the next five years where the internet of things and three billion more people are going to come online in the next five years and all of those things, our product or service is always under risk of being copied and or commoditized. And so when we think about that, it is the experience that we lay over the top of that product or service that actually differentiates us. And so everything that we can do as a business to create a differentiated experience that lays over the top of that. You think of something as simple as, you know, Uber or Lyft, where they're completely disrupting the idea of what it means to take a car from point A to point B by giving you a better experience over the top of it. Yeah. Or you think about Airbnb that's taking the entire industry of where I'm going to stay on vacation with a new experience of how you actually get there and what you actually do and how you actually book that and they're creating a better experience with it. And so something as fundamental as changing our business approach or something as small as just creating a blog that delivers value to that consumer that's extra from what you do uh, for a living. Think of Indium, for example, that does 27 different blogs um, by individual product people on different soldering. They're a soldering company and they create soldering blogs that are specifically focused on the individual who knew there were 27 flavors of solder, but there are. And every one of those communities, every one of those blogs are delighting a certain niche of customer and adding value to their life by creating something that's extra than the product or service that they offer in the marketplace. You know, I think about uh, our mutual friend, Brian Clark over at uh, Copyblocker Media. Like he just launched like 10 or 12 podcasts at the exact same time. And each of these podcasts is service seeing a different community that they're trying to draw to them, right? I mean, do you, yeah. know, do you have you noticed what they were doing? I mean, they've got like um, they've got one for people that are developing, I think, membership sites, and I think they have another one for for people that are involved with writing, and then they have another one for like um, you know people that are like responsive designers, and and they're empowering people inside their company to essentially create this content, and they're becoming kind of thought leaders inside the company, but and, and they're creating. I guess, using your vernacular, unique experiences for sub-audiences. Is this, is this what we're talking about or am I off? That's, that's it. No, no, you're exactly right on the money. I mean, what Brian understands better than most is that you can't, this, that, that, you know, this is something we talk about in workshops that we do, et cetera, which is it, the difference, you know, many, it, we've given, you know, sort of overuse to, to this idea of we have to become media companies or we have to become publishers because the, the, the threat or the sort of, implication there is that we have to be like broadcast media or cable media or publishing a magazine. And the difference, and what Brian understands so well, is that you don't have to be big. You don't have to be viral. You just have to be remarkable for a very discreet and finite audience. And he can develop and become the source for people who want to write about this particular thing or who people who want to develop this particular kind of business 
And he is now there, he is differentiated in their mind. And he doesn't have to monetize that many of them before he actually makes a great living. You know, it is about really exponentially creating these uh, value or, you know, revenue streams or whatever you want to call it and really opening up your business to this idea that it is no longer or no longer has to be limited to sort of a big, broad, wide audience at scale. You can actually become, you know, I mean, this is, this is, you know, maybe off topic a little bit, but it's this idea of becoming a little bit famous, right? We can be, now we don't have to actually become global in order to become a successful going forward business. Um, can you give us an example maybe of uh, a big and maybe a small organization that are, that are um, maybe one or two examples you've written about in your book that seem to be getting this experience thing right? And, and what are they doing? I know sure. you, I know well, you I mentioned mean, a huge yeah. litany of them, but maybe pick a couple and let's zoom in on them. Well, the one I would pick that I think is just—I mean, I'll pick two here that are that are that are some of my favorite examples, right? So, HubSpot is probably my most favorite example of a very small company that is now a big company that basically created experiences and used that to drive their business. I mean, if you think about HubSpot in the very early days, with Brian and Darmesh, were just sitting in, you know, at picnic tables at MIT. And they had this idea that was a non-brand, like it wasn't like the HubSpot book. It wasn't the HubSpot blog. It was this whole, they created an entire category of marketing called Inbound. And they wrote a book about it and they created a blog about it and they went out and spoke about it at every conference they could find. And they basically created a center of gravity and experience around the idea of Inbound that wasn't really built around HubSpot or the idea of HubSpot until later. And then they started to let that flower bloom and let HubSpot bloom within the flower that is inbound marketing. And you're talking about a company that was, you know, certainly at one point three or four people and is now, you know, of course, a public company. On the other side of that, you look at something like Lego, right? What Lego, I mean, you had mentioned, you know, sort of the amusement park. Well, look at what Lego is doing with not only amusement park, but movies and everything they do is creating value for selling bricks, and the thing I – what I love so much about Lego is when they did the movie, when they actually thought, okay, let's do something called the Lego movie, they didn't say, okay, look, here's our universe of toys and make a movie with that. They said, no, 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 Hollywood, you make the movie you want to make and we'll make the toys to match. And that to me is the real difference these days is because – we're changing the business to suit content's purpose instead of changing content to suit the business's person. And that's, that's the real difference here. Well, speaking of Lego, um, they've done a lot of really interesting things. I've read articles about them and I don't know, Wired sure. or Fast Company. But they've also got all these um, – there's a, there's a lot of people in their customer community that are kind of artists, if you will. And I forget what they call them, but they're like master builders or something like that. Master it, builders, yeah. Yeah, yeah master so, builders, yeah. So they've sure. got these people in their community that are creating art that people are paying a lot of money for out of Legos. And they like yeah. crown them as master builders. And, um, and these guys essentially are – going around creating things, you know, with these, like you said, plastic bricks, you know what I mean? And yeah, they're creating right. physical manifestations of things. And then, you know, of course you've got the Lego stores and I mean, it's just, it's crazy what they've done. I mean, they've completely transformed their company, haven't they? Yeah, they absolutely have. I mean, they've, well, I mean, I mean, they're, they're sort of, you know, way out there sort of right. on the, you know, forward leading edge of what, 
you know, a brand, you know, what a, what a traditional toy brand looks at now and, and looks at themselves, you know, and says, you know what, we're actually a media brand. You know, when I sat down with Jonathan Mildenhall, who was the former, now he's the CMO of Airbnb, but he was then the uh, head of uh, advertising and creative services for Coca-Cola. And he said, you know, Coca-Cola is a media brand. It's not a product brand anymore. And he said, the interesting thing, and this is, this is a, a fascinating thing to me is he said, I actually have the capability now to create content that would make money. He said, you know, he was telling me about the World Cup and all of the stuff that they do around the World Cup. And he said, we actually now have enough footage from going down to the World Cup and and filming everything we did. He said, I could make a two and a half hour documentary about the World Cup that would rival anything you'd see on ESPN. He said, and I could sell that. I could sell that to HBO. I could sell it to ESPN. I could sell it to anybody who's interested in a two hour documentary about the World Cup. He said, but he goes, but quite frankly, my CFO would not know how to deal with that. <laughs> would not basically. How do you create a marketing piece that would actually profit? And, and that's sort of the sort of ultimate brass ring we're looking for. Is you know you've got now businesses that are creating content at such value that they're, they themselves are actually making money. You know, f- for example, Kraft when they're Food and Family magazine. They actually – that's a profit center. They actually make money with that by selling the magazine on the newsstand and the subscription. It actually is a marketing program that ultimately pays for itself. Okay. So um, obviously not all of us have Lego or craft, you know, <laughs> of course, kind right. of budgets to work with. So let's yeah. let's start with like, all right, I buy the idea that creating an experience is the way to stand out today, right? Because everybody course, still isn't yeah. stuck in the relationship era and maybe even in the era before the relationship era. <laughs> yes. Well, in many cases, rats are exactly right. And, um, you know, we need to differentiate. So, um, where do we start? How do we, you know, at, at the most basic level, um, think about creating experiences and maybe even digital experiences, because I know that's the path of least resistance, I would imagine. Sure. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly, these days, sort of the idea is, is that we can get things done in a digital way and in an easier and less expensive way. Although I'll, I'll say, you know, because of what has happened, the growth of digital, the idea of print is really coming back. I mean, you look at companies like Airbnb launching a print magazine, and the idea of print, you know, is really an uncluttered space right now. So there's a lot of value there, but th- that wasn't your question. So where do we start is, you know, one of the things that I'll often do is when talking with a marketing organization in a big company or small company, and whether it's a marketing team of one or a marketing team of a hundred, is I'll quite literally put up a picture of uh, you know the idealized funnel, right? And when I say funnel, I mean everything from awareness all the way down to customer, and then beyond to loyalty and evangelism and so on and so forth. That hourglass-looking funnel, and I'll say, where does it hurt the most, right? Where right now do you actually have the biggest problem? Is it an awareness problem? Is it a lead nurturing issue? Is it a loyalty issue? You have too many customers churning out or not loyal? Or are you trying to get customers to evangelize your story and make you know, better word of mouth marketing? What is, what is the biggest pain right now? Because quite frankly, that's usually where there's going to be the least resistance to something new and innovative and interesting. Because what we're going to be doing here is inherently new and 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 inherently sort of you know brand new and may fail. And once we identify that sort of biggest pain point, we can ask ourselves and we can say, okay, what value, separate and discrete from the product that we actually offer, what value do our consumers need when they're in this stage of their journey? 
when they're just searching for a solution or when they're actually in the middle of making a decision or when they have this solution and they're trying to determine whether to stick around or not, when they're in this sort of mindset, what value can we deliver to them that's separate and discreet from our product or service? Maybe it's better education. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's some sort of how-to. Maybe it's some sort of event. Maybe it's some sort of networking with other customers. Maybe it's some sort of community. Whatever it is, that value, we can figure out what that is, and then we can start thinking, how can we build a product? Because that's really the difference here. It's not about a campaign. It's not about describing the value. It is itself a product and a product development process. How would we develop that experience for that customer, and what would it look like, and how would it behave, and all of that? That's one of the biggest differences is that we're so classically trained as marketers to think medium first and then story, right? We think, I need an ad campaign for a print magazine. I need a TV campaign. I need a radio campaign. I need a website. I need a blog. And instead, we need to switch that conversation and and think to ourselves instead, what's the experience we want to create? What is that? And then then how does it express itself? Because – Maybe it's a blog. Maybe it's a print magazine. Maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's a webinar series. And if we start there, we can start to understand what it looks like, not as a campaign, but as something we're going to build. And ostensibly, if it works, it's going to last forever. Well, I'm, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about what we did uh, with this particular podcast. Um, and I'll just lay it out and you can tell me whether or not this is what you're talking about. Um, about nine months before Social Media Marketing World, we launched the Social Media Marketing Podcast, right? Notice they have the first three words exactly the same, right? The people that were the guests on the podcast were the speakers that were going to be at Social Media Marketing World. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I knew that one of the hardest things in the world is to get butts into seats, right? Which is what us that put on conferences do, right? So I thought that if I could have deep, rich dialogue with Um, people like yourself who ultimately may be speakers at our conference, I would accomplish a couple things. Number one, um, I would introduce myself and that guest to an audience that would hopefully grow to appreciate both the guest and me. And over time, people would want to come to meet those people that are on my show. And if the uh, show took off, I would continue to fund it, whether social media marketing world stuck around or not. And, um, and it would create an experience like what you're, we're talking about right now that could stand on its own. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I've had over 4 million downloads on my show. Half the people at Social Media Marketing World raised their hands and said they listened to the podcast. Is that creating an experience? I don't know. Maybe it is. It no, it's absolutely is, is, is what it is. And think about that for a second because the, the cool thing that you did there is, is that you thought about what's the value first, right? right? You thought about what is the value that I'm creating first? Yeah, and I knew and it had to be I, real value, right? We weren't going to talk about anything but but the kind of stuff that I knew the audience would, would eat up and love. You know what I mean? Exactly, right? And it's, so, and it's a different way to consume content and it's a, and it's a different experience for this audience who quite frankly may be commuting in their car right. they may be you know on a train they may be on a plane they you know they're sort of listening to this and having a much more linear experience than they might even on a blog or something else and so that's a really cool idea that you started from the interesting what 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 struck me by you just telling that story there is that it wasn't about more leads and it wasn't about more registrations at, at, at social media marketing world it was about you understanding A, the quality of speakers that may come to your conference. So by having this conversation with these speakers, you sort of get 
inherently as an audition for them and go, you know what? Yeah, These right. guys are not. I can be pre vet them. I can see how well the downloads are on the shows and whether the audience is responding. And I exactly. can know. I can so, know whether or not they'd be willing to pay to come meet that person. Right. That's exactly right. So it becomes sort of almost your basically an onboarding process for you to get deeper insight into how to make your product better. So in, in other words, you delivered basically an experience that was valuable to the consumer while simultaneously driving a business result, which is actually making your main product or service better. That's really no different than what Kraft uses their food and family magazine for. For them, it's not about getting more people to buy macaroni and cheese, but it kind of is because what they do is is that they actually use the data that they receive from people subscribing to the magazine to do programmatic ad buys and use it as research for where to do advertising. Hmm. So they actually have better research data using their own subscriber database than any other research company that's out there. So for them, that first-party data is a huge asset for them to be better at marketing. So they've created an experience for the business purpose of actually creating a better advertising uh, model for themselves, which is a wonderful business reason. And you did a very similar thing with this podcast. And, and now you've seen it take off on its own and it probably has its own life and it, and it got, you know, and it has its own revenue stream and it has its own value beyond just giving you. So it sort of builds on itself as a product over time. Oh yeah. And we've had enormous interest in people and advertising and sponsoring on the show. And we generally, yeah. we generally don't do that. You know what I mean? Because at this point it's really not about that. You know, it's about, uh, right. it may get about that someday, but like, just like you were mentioning earlier about that other example of, of, you know, the, uh, the guy that could have created a, you know, like a movie, you know, and, and sold it, you know, that wasn't the objective, but, right. um, exactly right. So in your book, you talk about something called a story map. Can you unwrap that a little bit? What is a story map? Why should we care about that? Certainly. And this is a great segue because it's just exactly what we were talking about. So the new muscle for most marketing organizations in this new world, and as you know, this is really around content marketing as a concept, is this idea of getting beyond or getting you know inclusive of something else besides the campaign mindset, sort of getting out of the idea of marketing campaigns and tactics and front, you know, sort of that war metaphor that we've been using for, you know, years and decades and decades. And instead, into something that's going to deliver and create that value for the long term. And so that methodology, basically that process, looks much more like a product development process than it does a campaign management process. And so at the heart of what we call content creation management, sort of the overarching framework for how to do this in a marketing organization, there's this idea of story mapping, which is how do we take that experience where we just, you know, we were just talking about where do we start and we've got that value. Now, how do we map that against business objectives, hmm. against uh, a, a narrative that we're trying to create? In other words, if we're going out tomorrow and we're trying to enter a new market, we can't just tomorrow claim and demand that we own this market. No, we have to earn our way in through influencers and we have to earn our way in through great content and thought leadership. And so that narrative arc is going to take some time. And so the idea is how do we start to map our story for this product that we're building using sort of a methodology to say, here's what success looks like. Here's what contribution to the business looks like in month one, month six, month nine, month 18, and start to map that against all of the things that we're going to have to do, assign resources to it. We're going to have to promote and market it. We're going to have to have people responsibly manage this thing over time. We're going to have to basically build a startup product within the business itself that's going to operate and basically be managed like a piece of product. 
And, and you know, and, you know, and I want to pause you there for a second because yeah. like some people are listening like now, okay, wow. So wait a minute, when I launch an experience, it's like launching a product that doesn't yeah. actually, that's not for sale. You know what I mean? I that's, mean, it might be right. for sale, but it, you know, in the case of a physical event. It most but, often isn't, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're actually putting your entire, you know, launch process or, or experience behind something that is really um, media, right? Or consumptionable or consumable experiences. And uh, if you think about it, like launching a product, you don't want to launch a product that's only going to be around for 30 days. You want it to be around for a long time, right? So you got to have that map. Is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it's a different, so what you're ultimately doing is building a story map for one of two reasons. One is you've gotten budget to do something and you need to actually map out the execution of it. Or two, you actually need to map out some level of the execution of it in order to go get an appropriate budget for what this thing is going to take to market and roll out, et cetera, et cetera. And this, the story mapping process is really a methodology of how you start from zero and actually get to, you know, what, you know, if you look at agile or lean startup or any of these sort of methodologies that we quite frankly borrow very heavily from in the book, this idea of the MVP, the minimum viable product. And if we start looking at creating these experiences under that sort of framework, well, then we're doing ourselves a great favor because then what we're asking permission for, or what we're building a business case for is not a campaign, not a marketing project, but a process or a product that will basically build value ostensibly if we invest in it and we execute it correctly for, you know, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> this is so cool, Robert. I know a lot of people are like, wow, okay, I'm getting this. I'm just now I'm wrapping my brain around it. That is so cool. So, um, all right, this everybody. This is why the book is 400 pages, by the way. It's a, I, I, there's, there's no doubt about it that the book is a thick book. We, we, when Carl and I finished it, we were like, yeah, it took a lot to say this, but hopefully it's, we go into enough detail there that it's like, this is, and that's why. It's a, we know that it's a, it's, it's a big, it, it's a big, process. We understand that. Well, I just started digging into it and I'm impressed yeah. with it and I want to tell everybody to go get it. It's called Experiences, The Seventh Era of Content Marketing. Um, why don't you tell everyone, Robert, where they can find the book, where they can find you? Um, great. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. Um, the Seventh Era of Marketing, um, Seventh Era of Marketing, you know, spell it how you'd like, 7th Era of Marketing or Seventh Spelled Out will get you to the website where there are three free chapters, including um, the idea of content creation management, which is the methodology. Um, you can, no registration or anything, you can just download those as you like and you can watch the trailer for the book. It's on Amazon. Um, if you like to buy the book, um, very easy to find from the website itself. And of course, you can find me there. <laughs> there are links to my website there. And of course, on Twitter, I'm uh, Robert underscore Rose. Robert Rose, on behalf of lots of people, thank you so much for <laughs> you know opening up our minds to this new era. I know that uh, it was awesome for me. So thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. I so appreciate it. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. I know I did. If there was anything that we mentioned in the, today's episode and you just didn't catch it because you're out and about, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 145. That stands for episode 145. Also, if you're new to the show and you're not already a subscriber, hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast player you're using. And, you know, you don't want to miss a future episode of the show. I've got a great lineup of shows coming soon. I just want to say thank you so much for being a listener. It means a lot to me. This does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world 
And before we go, I do want to remind you, we do have another show. It's called The Social Media Examiner Show. Search for that in your podcast player and you'll discover more. Until next week, have a wonderful day. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.